Welcome to the Boiled Owl Coffee Club Podcast, the meeting after the meeting where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live and lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. I'm Don. You sure are. Oh, wait. You know, you're an alcoholic, I mean. Hey, y'all, I'm Sam. (laughs) Hi, Sam. You're an alcoholic. Don't you know me? <laughs> I know you pretty dang well. Over well I got the a years. question for you, Mister. Yeah. When you gonna train that owl to eat yellow jackets? That's what I need to do. <laughs> we're gonna be a little bit late, I'm afraid. We'll see. I'll tell you what. When we're recording today, don't make any mistakes. Don't say uh. Nope. Long pauses. I don't do that. I just <laughs> say and and no ands and and, and then I say and. You say and, and instead of uh. Well, I say I don't say uh. I say uh or I say or I. <laughs> you do have those I pauses. Long pauses. So I got stung by some yellow jackets. How many? You know, I've been saying five. But it's my, an honest program. My wife told me yesterday, you've moved it from four to five. It, it's it going to be four. eight next week, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it makes a good story. <laughs> Don't never let the truth get in the way of a good story. But I have to be honest, it was four. and uh, At least. Yeah. I shared it at a meeting because, I mean, I, was, I, had, I had some physical difficulties from it, uh, recovering from it. And uh, it messed me up for a couple of weeks. Well, there I go. Mess me up for a ten days. <laughs> we are prone to exaggeration. Yeah, I like to exaggerate if it makes me seem more of a martyr. Really? <laughs> oh well, you know, exaggeration is good if it makes us look good, or you know, <laughs> if it's that business of telling my story and 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 the mess that it was. If it makes me look really bad. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I like to get all the sympathy I can gather, you know. Oh, it's not sympathy. That's mad respect, man. <laughs> oh, my God. So I posted something on Facebook recently that I love it. It was this fabulous thing. It's, it's uh, someone asking, hey, what's it like to party with you? And, I, and, and my response is, it's kind of like a merry-go-round. And they're like, oh, that sounds great. I wasn't finished. And then there's a merry-go-round on fire. <laughs> you sent them a merry-go-round on fire. It's like, yeah, yeah that's, that's what it was that's like. That's kind of what it's like. Mine yeah. wasn't really that bad, but I kind of yeah. enjoy the, the idea that, yeah, I can say it was now. Uh, sometimes he could burn <laughs> the thing down. So I shared it in a meeting, and, a, and Willie, who's a friend of the program, he's been on uh, yeah. way back. And everybody was sharing Yellow Jacket stories. <laughs> and he told the story about his cousin who got into some Yellow Jackets and some that were in some rags in his garage. And he got stung, and he, Willie went to see him the next day or so, and he was dressed up in long pants, and it was summertime, and long pants and a long sleeve shirt, a, a coat, gloves, a hat. He was all wrapped up, and he had a, a ping-pong paddle. A ping-pong paddle. And Willie said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to get these yellow jackets and he was swinging his ping pong paddle, getting ready to go in there. And Willie said, well, why don't you just get some spray and get them all? And he said, I can't do that. I got to give them a sporting chance. Well, you know, I mean, there's there's some legitimous. No, not really. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> go after those bees with a 22. There you go. <laughs> I'll get them one at a time. <laughs> 
so it was. It's been a bit of a bit of a week, but I'm glad to be back, and we're going to get this thing done. We're not going to make any mistakes. We have a guest. We do have a guest. Hi, guest. Who are you? I'm Josh, and I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Josh. <laughs> Josh, glad you joined us. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm so glad you're here. Josh, what was going on with you when you first came to AA that made it seem like a good idea to go to Alcoholics Anonymous? <laughs> well, without telling every war story that got me here, when I speak, I always say I could sum it up like this. I was born in the 70s, I was a little kid in the 80s, I got drunk in the 90s, and I got sober in the 2000s. Give or take a few years, that's what happened. Uh-huh. Uh, the 90s is what got me here, pretty much. I started drinking... What what was your sobriety date? October 17th, 2000. Mm -hmm. So it would have been the last day of seventh grade was the first time I truly had a drink. Got drunk, got obliterated, but also got that feeling that you hear a lot if you hang around these rooms, which is uh, I felt like I was everything that I wasn't, you know? Oh, yeah. I felt like I was taller, smarter, good looking, everything. I felt that in the first 10 minutes. And I always like to say that I chased that from the last day of seventh grade. I chased that buzz again until October 16th, 2000, when I quit, when I was 24, 25 years old. Right. I get, I get a little hazy worked. with it. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. The first go around, especially. And I believe I just kind of kept chasing that first feeling again and again. Unfortunately, with that first story also comes a couple hours later where I'm violently ill because I'm like 12 years old or 11 years, whatever. And the merry-go-round's on fire. (laughs) Yes, the merry-go-round is on fire. (laughs) So, you know, that also came along with it. My thinking at the time was, whatever, let's do it again. But what about about the last day that you drank and what what got you what was going on inside of your head well and when you when you said oh i've got to go to a yeah so to to progress through all that towards the and the reason why i like to tell that is because towards the end of my drinking the violently ill thing was all the time mm. towards the end you know physically and mentally very sick you know in that period of from 12 years old to 24, 25, you know, I progressed very quickly in that span. And so by the time, you know, I got a little bit before being sober, I was, you know, really sick, vomiting on myself all the time, losing other bodily functions, laying in bed, couldn't get up, wouldn't get up, you know, all that stuff. So I had a little voice in the back of my head for a long time telling me, you know, you're an alcoholic. there was just that little voice was like, you know, this isn't normal. You know that you're not supposed to be lying here every night, puking all over yourself and then scraping yourself up to go to work the next morning, hung over as shit, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And so that voice started speaking louder and louder and I hate that voice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the, The thing that had happened when I first drank that I'd been chasing all those years feel better, that had gone away. Now I just felt like total shit about myself all the time. Mm -hmm. I was suicidal, everything. I didn't want to be around anymore. I don't know exactly what happened, but I know that I woke up one morning, 
kind of sort of the same thing had been going on. You know, I had, I woke up, the apartment was a wreck where I'd fall, which was a big thing of mine. I like to get drunk, blackout, and fall into stuff and knock stuff down and, and cut myself. And <laughs> I'm, not, you know, I'm not laughing because I've <laughs> never done that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. So it was that kind of thing where, you know, once again, I wake up, come to just from being annihilated. The entertainment center is knocked over. The speakers are knocked over. I've got a cut on my, a new cut on my arm. You know, I vomited everywhere again. Don't remember it. And there was a, that voice that was in my head that was telling me I was an alcoholic. I remember clearly saying, you're going to die. Are you ready to die? And it was just that plain. And it, I'm not saying it was a some booming otherworldly voice. It was my voice. I was hearing in my head, but it wasn't coming from me, if that makes any sense at all. It wasn't your thinking. Oh, that entirely makes sense to me. I had a similar experience. Yeah, and so whatever that was, before I kind of thought, well, it's my destiny, I'll be dead, it's my fate, I'll be dead by the time I'm 30, it is what it is. That morning, I decided that voice was so profound, I was like, I'm not ready to die, this is not happening. I can't do this anymore and I am going to die is what I thought. Mm-hmm. So I went to, and got a phone book. Remember those? And <laughs> <laughs> turned uh, alphabetically just to the first, I, I want to say it was under treatment, but it could have been under alcohol. I don't know what it was under, under the yellow pages, but it was the first thing I found and just called it and said, I feel like I'm going to die. I need help. And the lady on the other end said, we can help you come down and get an assessment and that's where the journey started wow. and for the first time in my life when I went and got an assessment for the first time in my life I was completely honest with somebody else about how much I've been drinking because uh-huh. my family did not have a clue how bad it really was because I was kind of keeping them away so were, were you drunk when you made that call Mm, probably still from the night before. The night. So this <laughs> yeah. was the next day. Made, yeah, made the yeah, call. Yeah. I just I remember that I made that call and I did it drunk, and I never followed through. You know, ultimately I wound up coming to AA, but I never followed through on the phone call that I made while I was drunk. And so when you did, did you have reservations? Did you go down there immediately? Yeah, well, I and I forgot to say this. I actually, it's funny you said that because I called, and when she picked up and said the name of the treatment center, I was like, and I hung right up because <laughs> I was like, and I had that second thought, and then it was kind of like, nope, not this time. Oh. We're not, we're not gonna, you know. You gave up. I gave up. It was that was this. I considered that. That whole morning to be the first step, the surrender, but that picking the phone back up the second time, I'd forgotten to say that was the surrender to me yeah. and being like, that, not this time. Because I'd come close many times to doing that kind of thing before. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop. I'm going to make this call. And so I called her right back. And that's, you know, <laughs> and that's when she said, we can help you. And when I went down and told the, and did the assessment and was 100% honest with somebody about how much I was drinking, using whatever... He said the same thing. He, he wasn't like blown back, like, oh, my God. He just said, we're here to help you. And so it was two people in a row that had said that to me, and I felt that, that was really powerful, just those simple little words like that. Somebody saying, somebody 
I felt like somebody cared enough they want to help me with this. Hope. Yeah, it was hope. So you had heard yes. of AA before, or you had yes. heard of you? I had ex- you were calling a treatment center. Yeah, but I had I had been in AA briefly when I was like eighteen, but I wasn't there for the. I was there because I was told to go, and I wasn't really sober, and so I was aware of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't even really consider me being in that at that point. You know what I mean? Like it was. I was just barely exposed to it. I I have vague mm-hmm. memories of it. Enough that that's where you that you looked for it when you were ready to give up. Yes, yes, I knew what it was and that there were people out there to help me and there was hope, you know. But yeah. those people from that treatment center, just saying those simple words, that gave me a lot of hope, and I I needed that yeah. at that time. You know, I needed something to latch onto. Were they a treatment center that um, incorporates AA into? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Go to AA and other fellowship meetings. Yeah. Did a lot of that and was in there for six weeks and then did outpatient for a long time afterwards, which was also very helpful. Well, I remember you coming into my meeting and you were committed to AA. I mean, I got that sense from you right at the very beginning. I I was, but what happened with me was I got, when I started feeling better, I got some of my fight back. Yeah. So I started looking at these steps on the wall and being like, uh-uh, some of these are okay. Some of these got to go. I, I ain't doing all this, uh-huh. you know. Particularly? The God stuff and the sponsor stuff. I just I thought that wasn't necessary. <laughs> you guys all had this thing, but I didn't need that. And so as much as I had surrendered, I felt like at that point, once I started to feel better, it was kind of a little bit of a dangerous place for me because then I started looking at everything, like picking it apart. Like, sure. well, maybe I, maybe I can do some of this, but not all of it because I'm special and I don't need all of it like you guys do. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if anybody can relate to that. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I talk about how I did my fourth step and it took so, so long because I would start feeling better and it's like, I'm not going to do anymore. I don't need to do any more of this. I feel good. And then I'd start feeling like shit again. So I'd start doing my fourth step again. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the yeah. one thing that is helping me is I'm going like, to stop I, it. I can stop that now. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's exactly. Yeah. 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 So on the outside, I probably looked really committed, but on the inside, I was really starting to have a lot of doubts about going through with all of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but you did get a sponsor. So I did. I was given a sponsor. And that's one of the things I about that is so I was at a meeting where your sponsor at the time Don was there and I had gotten so much fight back I decided to run my mouth in this meeting it was a small meeting about how this sponsorship thing was bs you didn't really need that and I think I could do it on my own and I really ran my mouth oh Oh, I hate I missed that yeah (laughs) oh it was it was good I'm sure and your old spot your sponsor at the time was there and he basically told me in so many words, I was full of it and I just needed to listen. And after the meeting, he pulled me aside and he was like, look, you're the things you're saying, you, you don't really have any business saying because you haven't been around here long enough yet. You know, he was a pretty blunt guy. Yeah, when he, he needed to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he said it in, in, in not exactly like that. But he was a little bit more blunt, but he. He said, um, why don't you come with me to this meeting the next night 
I got some people I want to introduce you to, and I think you'll see at this meeting that this sponsorship thing really works. And that meeting was your home group at the time, which was very, there was a lot of sponsorship family in that meeting at yeah. the time. You know, there was a lot of people that, that it was, it was very connected on that mm-hmm. level. And he was going to show me that, that how this thing worked, you know? So he was blunt with me, but he was also, again, concerned enough, kind of saw that like, that maybe he could help me. So I went to that meeting and he introduced me to some people. And then he said, this guy's going to be your sponsor because he needs a sponsee because he's got some doubts like you're getting because he was sponsoring him at the time. Uh And he said, he needs a sponsee. You need a sponsor. How about you guys work together? You know, so he basically gave me a sponsor. So I always say, if you're having trouble getting a sponsor, you can talk shit in the meeting about sponsorship. You might be given one. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. You may not have to ask. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, one of the things I'm hearing you say is that, you know, there was this, this facade of, of having your shit together, of, of being willing to do all this stuff. Right. But inside it wasn't like real. Yeah. And yet you did it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's very much that fake it till you make it stuff. Yeah. Of because I cannot say that I have an honest desire to quit drinking when I came into these who, rooms. Yeah, right. I, yeah, who does? But but I that's was why you need to a, do the stuff. That's why you need a sponsor because that's the kind of questions and all that don't necessarily fit into a meeting format, mm-hmm. but it's exactly what you talk to your sponsor about. Absolutely. Yeah. Share my doubts and my concerns and and like, uh, I don't like this about AA, you know, like, I, I don't understand this anonymity uh, at the level of press, radio and films. Why well, can't, you know. And why do I have to stop drinking? Well, <laughs> oh, and you're serious about this. <laughs> well, for me, it's like, and these people, are they serious about this praying thing? Yeah. Uh, you know? yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there, there were a lot of conversations I had with my first sponsor, all my sponsors, but my first sponsor in particular, that really were those conversations that were not suited right. for a meeting. And I didn't have a network yet right. of other sober friends that I could talk with. And you didn't really about. know any better that yeah. I didn't know at the time, like this is something that needs to be shared with somebody. I just thought right. everybody, everybody at this meeting needs to hear. It looks what like I think is BS about it. It looks like that's <laughs> what's going on. Everybody's just sharing whatever they're thinking. I mean, it, and then right. we learn that it's actually sharing experience, strength and hope. Right. Yeah. Which I didn't have any, at that point, per se, you know what I mean? Especially when I believe the meeting itself was on one of the steps, which I had not worked, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So I was really, I mean, you know, a newcomer can definitely share some, some hope, but you know, I was way overreaching. And so I was just glad, you know, looking back on it now, I see, I feel like it was a higher power thing where this guy was there at the right place at the right time to pull me aside and say, hey, once again, we can help you. And you had the willingness to right. accept it. Right. And I had to just let go of some of that fight. Still wanting to do it my way. Being told that my way is how I got here. So that definitely didn't work. 
Right. So why not try it somebody else's way, you know, and yeah. being committed to that. Somebody else's way is the way I got to do it. Yeah. It, it doesn't work if I do it my way. Exactly. Yep. You know, I, one of the things that you said about, um, you know, a newcomer sharing, um, you know, a couple of, I, I think I'm in cliche mode today, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I haven't heard this one in a while and it's sharing the mess, not the message. Mm-hmm. And, and that's very much, but also right. it is a, an important thing, I think, for newcomers to be able to share, mm-hmm. at least in certain situations, certain meetings or certain meeting types. One of my home group's meetings is a beginner's meeting where we ask at the very beginning, if you're new here and have questions, this is the time to ask them. And there have been some absolutely amazing meetings that have happened because a newcomer shared doubts or questions or something right. and gave us an amazing topic for the whole meeting. As long as they don't run the meeting. Yes. yes. That's the answer. <laughs> yep. As long as they're not up there lambasting it and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's you know, a me- setting the merry-go-round on fire. <laughs> there's, a, there's a meeting in uh, Florida that I go to when I'm in that area that I really like. I was told that this area of Florida is like the epicenter of treatment centers. There's like 15 treatment centers right around the area of Jupiter, Florida. Many treatment centers go there. So they open up the meeting. Everyone says they're, how long they've been sober. And it just goes around the room. And it can be from 50 years to one day. Uh-huh. And it's it's really good. And, the, and they always open up the meeting with the people at the treatment centers and say, does anybody have any questions? And that's the format of the meeting. And it starts out, and they always go around with the people in treatment centers and then go around to the people with longer sobriety. Neat. And, yeah, it... Um, it keeps it green. It, it keeps yeah. it green for the old-timers. And the experience and the strength comes from the old-timers back to the new people who have all the questions and going, I don't, you know, can this work? And it's like, yes. And one of the most important things, I think, to note, too, is that if I have a question as a newcomer and I ask it, I find out that there are other people who had the same question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it's not that I'm unique once again, but my asking the question actually serves other people by getting their question asked mm-hmm. and answered. Yes. Yeah, for jo- sure. Josh, what's, uh, so what's one of the steps where you had doubts about it even being reasonable that you found after diving in and doing it with a sponsor, your thinking changed on it. Oh boy. Um, well, I guess the easy answer to that would be the two and three really, because one was pretty much, I knew that I was powerless. I knew that I couldn't manage my life. You know what I mean? That part came to me pretty quick. I mean, people that are managing their lives well don't go to treatment center <laughs> um, and start <laughs> I mean that part kind of sunk in quick but two and three because of the God stuff that was something that I thought was quote unreasonable you, you hear this a lot but I could not get it out of my head that that was some kind of um, you know religious judeo-christian higher power that I was going to have to bow down to and and you know lord lord yes and i really had a problem with that you know Mm -hmm. and you know i i didn't want anything to do with a judgmental 
fire and brimstone, you know, all that stuff type of God. And that's the only thing I could get in my head when I saw those words and when I heard people saying it. So that was a big struggle for me in the beginning. And so, you know, working, being given that sponsor and working with that sponsor, I mean, it was something that I was, I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to get past this because I just can't, I can't imagine anything else whenever I hear this stuff. And after a little while, he kind of got, he, he was trying to tell me and he kind of got flabbergasted one day and he was like, look, I can't guarantee you that there's a God, but I can tell you that you ain't it. And <laughs> that was the opening I needed. Was it had ne- I never really thought of it in terms of, okay, I'm not God. I The only higher powers I've really truly ever had is myself and the bottle. And that's not getting it done. Mm-hmm. So let me start with the fact that I'm not God. And let's just go with that. And that was, I'm, I was so grateful for to have that opening. Um, and then he went on to explain, he's like, look, you know, the meetings can be your higher power right now. You know, you can have whatever you need right now. Just know that you are not God. Those steps became much more reasonable when I read them in terms of that. When I stopped seeing this thing I had programmed in my head was God was the kind of God that I didn't want anything to do with. It's kind of more seeking than an, an idea of seeking rather than here is a belief system that you need to sign on to because this is what's real and sign right here and you'll believe this. That's not what AA is asking yep. you to do. Mm-hmm. It's more of a seeking and like being willing to look. And really, for me, it was allow yeah. that there could be a higher power. Right. And my sponsor also said to me exactly, Don, there is a God and you're not it. He also said, do you believe I believe, which yep. was clear to me that he did. And he said, well, then you use my idea until you find your own. And that's one of the beauties, I think, of this program is being able to find that path. So once I started there, you know, it's grown and shrank and grown. and shrank. It's, 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 it's the seeking, you know, along the way that's been the journey. You know, that that definition has changed. It's continuous seeking. It's continuous. Yeah. You know, my and I don't have to define, every time I sit down and talk, I don't have to define what God means to me or what my higher... I used to try and do that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, well, my higher power is the the energy that flows through the universe and da, 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 not the one in the sky with the beer. And I don't have to do that. And I, I realize now that, that <laughs> Isn't that it's yeah. so much free, it's I know, so freeing right. not to have to explain right. it. Yeah. It just is what it is. And, and my God doesn't have to be your God and, or Bill Wilson's or any, it can just be. And it's just something outside of myself. And I don't have to go into a huge explanation these days, which is nice. It really is the journey. You know, and it still changes for me that what God is and is not, and you know, mm-hmm. I love I love that uh, that this is where we are in this. I-, I listened to one of my favorite speaker tapes recently. I-, I heard her in person in 2012, and like listened to her many times that year, and uh, and then try to listen to it like once a year at least now. And and one of the things Can't that she you, was. Do you- can you share who it is? Uh, her name is Lila uh, out of Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. this was a, rec- uh, a recording from the Hotlanta Roundup in 2012. I see. 
And what she's talking about uh, was that she has a hard time sponsoring newcomers. I mean, she was 42 years sober when she gave that talk. And wow. she's like, I don't care what your God is. Just do the steps. <laughs> we can talk, do, do the steps, do all the work, and then come back. And then we can talk about what you think God is. <laughs> but just do the work. Right. And I love that because coming in here, I was so hung up on what God is that it got in the way of me doing the work. And, mm-hmm. you know, thankfully, and I've, I've, I won't go through the whole thing because I've said it many times on here, but I heard you, Don, telling your story and about how it took you 10 minutes to explain what God was. Right. And then one day you realized <laughs> it was just a hell of a lot easier to say God because you knew what you meant and it didn't matter what the other people thought. Right. I'm like, that I can do. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, it's you know, easier. I don't need, to, I, I felt like I needed to know what God was before I could do this step work. Well, it says God as we understand him in the step, and that threw me. Yeah. Because I felt like that it's really requiring me to understand him. It's a that, good, that's a good point. Yeah. But it's not. I mean, it seems to me that most people who come in with a problem with the idea of God develop over a period of time, it, their idea changes, and it becomes based on experience of what happened, and then, and then eventually their idea of God becomes the thing that's real that they depend on to help them stay sober and live their lives. So, Right. Mm-hmm. But it's up to each individual to get there yeah. on their own, and there's no set in stone, and that's the beauty of AA. Yeah, yeah there's no... I mean, if y'all told me what I had to believe, this wouldn't have worked. No, no. It, and, and I always contend that AA would be you know, about a millionth of the size it is now if, if it was like that. If it, it survived. If it even survived, yeah. right. It's a huge understatement, but the people that founded this thing really knew what they were doing. You know, they really, they really figured so it, it out. Would seem. Yeah. yeah, you know, it, it occurs to me sitting here thinking about what you just said, though, about God as we understand Him. When that was written, it was written by people who had already done the work, so they were looking at it from the perspective mm-hmm. of this is the God that is I understand God now. True, true enough. As opposed to yeah. going into it, yeah. right. Yeah. So they did it wrong, which is always the <laughs> they case. wrote the steps wrong. <laughs> I think they got a pretty good handle on it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Seems to be working. Yeah. <laughs> What's your rec- recovery like today? It, it's amazing. Um, what do you What do you and do? Crazy all at once. What do you do? <laughs> what would you say are the things that you do to keep you sober now? Um. Well, I mean, there's still the basics, going to meetings, having a sponsor, having some sponsees. You still um, have a sponsor? Yeah, just a different one. <laughs> yes, yeah. Not the one I was given, but he's, he, he moved on to another area. But yeah, yeah. Um, doing the basics are a big part of my recovery today. And, I, and, and, I, I still depend on a sponsor. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've been sober. I recently talked over with my sponsor something that was going on in my life. It was difficult to talk about and difficult to share. It was exactly like when I first got sober. It was like, "Ah, this is going to make me vulnerable to talk about this. I sat down with him, though, because I was upset and talked to him. And it was, I got great insight on what my thinking was and what was going on with with me, where my character defects are activated, causing my anxiety, 
where I'm not letting go, where I'm, you know, trying to apply my will, things that I couldn't see in myself because I'm so wrapped up in it. And I needed that third party looking at it who, to be able to point the way. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, I want to add that, that my recovery today has grown besides just the basics. It's, it's also tantamount to me to use some outside help, some therapy on the outside. I need that too. Um, and the, the, our literature encourages that. Mm-hmm. And that is crucial for me today. And I've think, found things along the way that I need and they're a part of my recovery, whether they're, you know, not necessarily meetings, but for me personally, I need physical exercise. I need that release, that outlet for these things. And so a lot of what recovery is enabled to me to be able to do these things today. So I got to keep the basics, but I've also got other things that I need to be doing to keep myself healthy and keep myself in a good emotional spot as well, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and, and one of the things you were talking about, sponsors. One of the things I love about my current sponsor and, and, and some people that I really admire in this program that have been around for a long time is my sponsor, sometimes I'll come with him with something and he'll say, you know, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Let me th- and I love that. That's what I'm yes. looking for today. I am not looking for somebody who's got it all figured out 100% of the time and has got a, you know what I mean? A lot of times he's got some good stuff for me, but he is not, he is humble enough to say, I'm not sure about that one. Let's, maybe you can talk to so-and-so or maybe let me think a little bit on that. He doesn't just give me, and, and I really admire that in people today. I, I, I see a people with sobriety with, a, with long-term sobriety that are still seeking and haven't got everything figured out, mm-hmm. you know? Humility is one of the, the most attractive things that I've noted in here. And it, it is that, that business of saying, of not having to look good. Yeah. I don't have to look good. I don't have to make it look like I've got all the answers. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I'm at today. I, you know, I, I've been through phases in this program where I've had it all figured out. And I got, I got the results How'd that, that you would expect. <laughs> exactly. I was miserable, you know, and I didn't, I didn't let go of my resentments. And I, I told everybody I was fine when I wasn't. And I can't do that today. I can't be that because I've, I've seen what happens with that. I need to, you know, realize I don't have it all figured out just because I've got 17 years of sobriety doesn't mean anything some days. I mean, I need help still, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I'm saying. My sponsor has 30 something years and he's okay with saying, I need help. Mm-hmm. I don't have it all figured out. And that's a very, that's, that's the kind of people I'm looking to be around today, you know, and that helps me. Well, that's those people who are seeking emotional sobriety. Yes. Yes. That that's the, th- I mean, taking a drink is not a fear on my radar today. Right. Being an asshole is. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, you know, if I'm too much of an asshole and I stop doing the, uh, the basics that you talk about and all these other things, then taking a drink does become something that is probably something I should be damned afraid of. But I'm pretty sure I'm not going to take a drink today. Let's say leaving here today, someone pulls out in front of me and drives slow. I might be an asshole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Kindly control yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> well, Josh, thanks for joining us. We're, sure. But don't go anywhere. Sure. Uh, I'll sit right here. Yeah. <laughs> Stay you right you there. may have to duck, though, because there's some swooping in action. Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs>
It's time for our old timers question. Who you calling an old timer? You. That's what happens if you don't drink and you don't die. No matter how long you've been sober, it's still one day at the time, Sonny. You knew it was coming. If you want to ask a question, go to boiledowlaa.org. We have a question from Magnum in Hawaii. Magnum. It's been a while. I hope he's uh, enjoying his short shorts. <laughs> this sounds that sounds like a, an anonymous question. Actually. Totally, totally. <laughs> uh, a bunch of friends are going to a conference and they want me to go. Aren't meetings enough? Ooh, going to a conference. That sounds like fun. I love to go to conferences on occasion. It's a great big collection of. People, there's a lot of strength that comes from being surrounded by 200 people who are all sober, and it's like this totally relaxing for me to get. In that I can crowd. tell you're getting a little worked up right now. I, I like it. I mean, I, I like being in that crowd. It's a, it's an amazing thing. You know, everybody you see in the hotel around you is an alcoholic, and it's like it, you all. Your defenses just drop, you know. It's like everything's good. And hearing speakers from all over, some identify with, some I don't identify with what they say, but I, I, I get things out of it. It's a great addendum to everyday recovery. It's like submerging into the deep end of, of AA for a little while and just and really getting submerged in it. I'd say go. What do you think about them? I think they're great, and I think the biggest thing as a, if you're an, as a newcomer going to one of these things is it is absolute proof if you have the question in your mind of, can I have fun when I stop drinking and drugging? Absolutely, because you will see it on display there. I think maybe even more than, than, than anywhere else at some of these conferences, you can see yeah. people just having a ball, and I, I think that's, that's one of the things I think they're great for newcomers is to see how much – fun and enjoyment people are having and that you can have hundreds and hundreds of people thousands of whatever and nobody's taking a drink and everybody's continuously laughing and and talking it up and uh, if, if you're new i think the conference is right up your alley <laughs> especially so that's my take yeah i i i gotta tell you i, I went to conferences in uh in recovery i went to one conference every year uh for like the first six or seven years and then when I started over, met a bunch, bunch of guys that were going to conferences all over the country, I started doing that too. Wow. And had a blast. Now, I was scared to death going to these conferences, and it took me about a day for my head to pop out of my ass and for me to become a part of. And joining up as service is one of the best things to do at these conferences, especially if you can get on the registration table, because then you meet a ton of people. But Ooh, um, it's, it's a great way to become a part of it. But uh, what has happened now is that I've gone to these conferences so many times now that they're reunions, too, because there are a lot of people that I mm. only see at conferences. And I, I love the programs. I love the workshops and all that kind of stuff. But quite frankly, the hospitality suite and hanging out in the hallways and out on the patios and stuff like that, that's the best part. That, I hadn't thought about that. That's true. Every time I go, I end up seeing people that I haven't seen in years or, or maybe people that I've met in other cities, and there they are. Yeah. yeah, it's really, really a cool experience. 
The, uh, the other thing that's really neat is um, some of the stuff that happens at conferences. You know, Don, you mentioned that everywhere you go, there's people in recovery. Well, it depends on the size of the conference. Mm -hmm. I, I went to the, uh, the international conference in Atlanta in 2015, 65,000 alcoholics in, in wow. downtown Atlanta. Wow. Talk about being out in public space that you're not used to being around alcoholics, well, sober alcoholics. Um, and everywhere you turned, people were nice. People were, you know, it would, you had a friend every single time you turned around, wherever you were in that city. It was really cool. Uh, they do these other things that are uh, sobriety countdowns, and these can be really powerful experiences. At the, uh, at the international conference, it was uh, incredible seeing these really old-timers standing up way down on the floor up there near the stage and all that. They had their own little special section. And I just was at a conference recently that did a, uh, a sobriety countdown in a way that I had never experienced. Sobriety countdowns uh, have actually been a sore spot for me. Why is that? Because starting over... You know, uh -huh. I had almost nine years when I started over. Yeah, and then I'm I'm new again, and the so first, ego totally hated it. The first time through, the the chips and everything can be, and these anniversaries can be a big benefit. But if you're coming back in, yeah, the ego really does not like it mm -hmm. at all. Uh, this this sobriety countdown that I experienced at a a, a YPA conference, Young People in AA conference. Uh, was done in a completely different way, though. It was so cool in that they um, they started with the oldest uh, who who had you know started with you know eighty to seventy years, seventy to sixty years. They went by decades, and then they got it down into uh, you know twenty years, nineteen years. They're et going backwards. Going backwards. Um, people who had that amount of time would stand up and get applauded and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff, and then they'd sit back down. And, and then we get to the one year, everybody goes nuts for people who are standing up with one year. And then they go to 11 months. And a group of people had like started running around and were rallying around the people who were counting months. So when they called 11 months, a bunch of people ran over to them and were like giving them high fives and hugs and cheering them on and all that kind of stuff. And they were like, come with us, come with us, come with us. And then when they called out the 10 month, the 11 monthers and that crowd all joined in. Uh. And then they did the nine month and the crowd got bigger and they were rallying all the way down to the day counters, people who had 30 days, 29 days, 20, and they got down to one day and one kid stood up with one day of sobriety and this crowd i mean the whole place went nuts for the kid oh wow but this I'm crowd rallied around this kid i mean it would not have surprised me if they picked him up and put him on their shoulders and and i'm getting teary-eyed right now talking about it it's the first time ever even before starting over that a sobriety countdown affected me so strongly wow um, That's and it's beautiful. one of those things i would love to see people do that That's uh, a great that, that way, way. To do it. it was beautiful so you can have amazing experiences at uh, at conferences whether you're brand new whether you're coming back whether you got a lot of time it definitely is a a boost to my recovery yeah. yeah, surrounded and, and supported by the whole of AA and, and everyone together. It's a we program, and you feel it that, at conferences. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, I forgot to mention, I thought one of the coolest things I ever saw was when you, when your mother died, mm. and right afterwards you picked up a chip. No, I get, I got it right before she died. Right before she died. Yeah, because I... Oh, I saw you speak after the funeral. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I picked up a chip. How many years? Two. Two years. Flew up to Seattle where she was in a VA hospital, and I took that... I was the last person to see her that day. Really? And she was, she had crashed. She had had a bone marrow transplant, but she crashed and she had, she had the tubes and all that stuff. It was basically breathing for her and she hadn't responded to anything in a while. And I took that chip and put it in her hand and said the serenity prayer, which she knew because she was, she did some Al Anon. And she opened her eyes and smiled at me, and it was the last time she responded to wow. anything. So, a couple of days later, I took her off the. We took her off the machines that were, you know, basically keeping her alive. But it was it was the last time she had really opened her. And so, you know, that's always been a really powerful experience for me, obviously. And so when I came, I buried that chip with her, and then. Uh, I guess beautiful. I spoke yeah, right, right after. after that and, and told that. And then, you know, everybody expects it of me now. The next, the, every time I pick up a chip, <laughs> you know, I, I always like to say that, you know, Mom, if you're watching, I got another one yeah. for you, you know, yeah. and I'm still doing it. Because it just, it's, it meant a lot to her and it means a lot to me the way that, that kind of went down. So, yeah. That's yeah, it's incredible. Two years, so she she knew you got sober. Yeah, yeah. She experienced sober me for a couple of years, which is which is awesome. Which I'm is glad. an incredible gift yeah, to give yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was um. It's beautiful. I love. Thank that. you. Yeah, I'm glad you told us that. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Don and Sam, for having me. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. The Boiled Owl podcast is posted on the 1st and 15th of every month. Visit our website at boiledowlaa.org or email us at giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org. Please note, Boiled Owl is produced by members of AA and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services. Josh. What's up? How's that? And uh, a little bit. Give me the. Like uh, war up. Give me <laughs> step three. <laughs> ah, you didn't know you were quizzed. Yeah. If I can do them in order, I can. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>